With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ho, ho, holy crap, it's the Football <laughs> Fancast. <laughs> how, how long, how many times have you rehearsed that? In the mirror. Honestly, none. <laughs> I, I wrote it down, chuckled, and thought, oh, I'm going to put that in when we get there. Uh, yep, hello, and I'll read. It's the Wolves Fancast presents the Football Filmcast, the sequel. Andy Gillard here once again. After the success of Mike Bassett, we're back to take a look at a film which was bought up most of all on our Twitter. We're here to look at Goal, The Dream Begins. I never knew it had that subtitle yeah. before, no. but apparently it does. Of course, with me, I've got a couple of gentlemen to discuss this film. In Filmcast tradition, we introduce ourselves by way of film. So I would like you to tell us the time that you were most scared. Well, maybe not most scared, but a film that... Gave you the willies, shall we say. So with me, I've got Stuart Hall. <laughs> That's the wrong <laughs> Um The Fly. Jeff Goldblum, The Fly. Yeah. Which I've watched when I was about seven or eight. Oh, God, right. So, okay. And I had to sleep in my mum's bed for three months <laughs> afterwards. I mean, when I got to the secondary school and I watched it, I mean, me and Big Dean had the, the, the Fly fan club. Just me and him. <laughs> Because we love love the film so much then, but yeah, they, they, he terrified me at the time. It's the the arm break scene when he's doing the uh, arm wrestling. It's just horrific. No, it, well, it was the um, the monkey, the monkey. Um, oh right, yeah, yeah, going inside out. That was mm. the one bit that freaked me out to start with. Mm. Yeah, that but, is uh, a, a one. So I, I actually lent the fly to Dave on one of my first Bankhouse appearances. Oh it's right, got a okay. Bit of a tra- tradition. All yeah, right, we should have a, a watch along. <laughs> and is also it? with us, we've got Matt Guy. How are the lads? You alright, Matt? I'm a bad you. Oh yeah, I'm alright. Talking about scary films, uh, for me, it has to be The Shining. That was one of the first ones that proper give me the heebie-jeebies. It wasn't so much like a jumpy out or in what seems to be the tradition now where it's, you know, for shock value or anything like that, but it was just some of the spooky scenes going around the building and then, you know, the twins and Mm. then the blood and they're coming out of the lift and then the bear um, getting noshed off. All the way around, um, and it was just—it was just really spooky and, and weird, weird, and it just freaked me out when I was when I was younger. So yeah. that was probably the first like scary <clears throat> film that really went. I to remember me. watching that late night on a, a Friday night on Channel Four after like Cheers and Roseanne had finished. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's the the scene with in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. It, it just proper messes with your mind. Good, good choice though. I like yeah, that. I mean yeah. that scene especially. You know, we've got this sexy woman coming out of the bath, and then all of a sudden, like she's this horrible old decrepit leper mm. lady or something like that yeah it was uh it was just and then uh, it got was more a, exciting and then i got <laughs> more excited mate. that's that's when the real fun happened yeah absolutely uh, my answer is actually the blair witch project not mm. not so much for the film 
but this was way back I used to live in Dudley uh, so it was back when I lived at my mum's I'd have been like 16 I think when that was released was it 99? yeah it was the same year as Star Wars yeah Phantom Menace yeah so, so it'd be 99 I'd have been 16 so this was back when you used to have mobile phones and you'd have to top up with credit you'd get 30 days rental and then like your credit and um, I'd got back home got out the taxi just round the corner from mum's I thought I'll, I'll just give her a ring to let her know I'm, I'm here because I was starting to brick it a little bit because on the walk back to my mum's house, you've got to walk past this open wooded area. <laughs> so I thought, I'll give her a quick ring, just let her know to, to look out for me, let me in. And um, I was calling and he just wasn't going anywhere. He just wasn't. And I'd realised it had just gone past midnight and my 30 days had run out. Oh, no. So I was just bricking it after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've all got a, there's always an area where you like, when you're younger that you go, that it's like someone says that someone's been killed there or there's a witch there or like, Think yeah. um, like R- Rain Dudley. It's usually just jazz mags, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Blair, which was another good one because it was shot in that uh, what felt at the time really um, that like hard. Like, sorry, like the camera, really shaky camera. Yeah. Um, that hadn't been used as far as I like, had seen before that. So that that shit me up as well. To be it fair. was the first of a generation. Yeah, yeah. I know you'd got stuff like Cannibal Holocaust, which was the found footage, but. I think for our generation, Blair, which was the first one to really bring that back. Mm. I watched that on pirate VHS as well. Oh, God. So, having no clue what it was at all, again, <laughs> pre-internet days, we obviously we knew it was a film, but watching it like that in the dark at home yeah. on a, with a filmed in cinema camera of a film, <laughs> of a <laughs> footage film, it was, it wasn't even so terrifying, it was just a weird experience. Very eerie, yeah. I think we went to see it on, it was on Halloween night actually, funnily enough. We'd been to see Deep Blue Sea, came out, and then that was starting at 10 o'clock, so we just got straight back in the queue and went to see that. Deep Blue Sea was better, I think. <laughs> Hell is like a shark's fin. <laughs> Speaking of VHS, though, VHS, the film, that have you seen, is like the collection of like short films that they find in like this bloke's basement. Um, I actually, haven't seen that. One. It's actually really good. It's like oh, okay. it's quite original, and there's some like I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But yeah, it's uh, my recommendation for the day. Oh. Anyway, yeah, because the other one I was going to mention would be Unfriended. Mm. I don't know if you've oh, seen that. No, one. it's a great I mean, film. That is. Well, when you told me about that, and I thought, but you sillyly watched it on your laptop. Yeah. When the premise is, it's filmed from a webcam. Yeah. So it's basically oh, okay. you're watching four people's webcams as they have a group chat mm. and then horrendous shit happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was watching that on my laptop. Oh, amazing. In bed so, on his own. Oh, amazing, yeah. I like so, it. So um, I had to stop it after five minutes. <laughs> I'll, I'll just wait for tomorrow during the day when I know I'm safe. Yeah, I'm not very, I'm not very, um, I'm not good with horror films anyways at the best of times, so I think I'd need a, a well-lit room, <clears> uh, <throat> like friends and family on standby. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll watch it in here on my own, on there. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> even then, there's bits in it that you think mm-hmm. this, is, <laughs> this is so good for the senses yeah exactly it is a cracking film though isn't it yeah. properly enjoyed it right so <clears throat> in the, the the film cast what we do is we break down films looking at the five categories the cultural impact the footballing authenticity the football stars the film itself so the bits around the football and of course your overall enjoyment whether or not you'd actually recommend someone else to watch this movie so, as I've already said, we're here to discuss gold. The dream begins, and it sounds a little bit like this. In the city of dreams. Santiago! What are you doing? Santiago Munez had a day job and a night job. Hey, boss. 
I've been a busboy now for six months. Why can't I be a waiter? This Chinese restaurant. You're not Chinese. Quiet! But every other moment, he lived for the game. He's quite a player. What's your name, son? Santiago Munoz. If you get yourself to England, Newcastle United will give you a trial. That's a big club. Very big club. It's okay to have dreams, son, but people like us have to work for a living. There's always plan B. We win the lottery. Now, for his family... You deserve this chance, Santiago. Take it. He'll pursue a dream 6,000 miles from home. I have a tryout for Newcastle United. You want to lay off the black pudding? What is it exactly? You don't want to know. This spring, he's jet-lagged, nervous. He's never seen mud before. Maybe you don't have the stamina for the English game. Adios, there you go. I'll be better tomorrow, I promise. It's not going to be a tomorrow, Santiago. He's grown up in poverty and hardship, and his only way out is his skill with the ball. Monez just wanted to see what it felt like to be in this field. You think you deserve it? I know I do. From Touchstone Pictures. It is now quite a day for this young man. One man's extraordinary journey. That's my son. That's my boy, Santiago. Is about to begin. Kuno Becker. Goal. The dream begins this spring. So that was the trailer from Goal. Goal, gentlemen, was released on the 8th of September 2005. In the cinema that year, Harry Potter was going strong with the best film of the series, Goblet of Fire. The 28-year-old story was finally coming to an end with Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, being released. If only. <laughs> <laughs> and in the real world, George W. Bush was sworn in for his second term as US President. North Korea announced it had nuclear weapons capabilities. Still haven't heard. <laughs> no. <laughs> And more bizarrely, an extra second was added to the year. So the 2005 ended on the 31st of December, 23, 59 and 60, rather than 59. Something to do with alignments. In the footballing world, can anyone remember who won the Premier League in 2004, 2005? <laughs> uh, Arsenal. Chelsea. Chelsea. Was it first, was it his first year or second year? Uh, I think it was his first... They only lost one game. They got 95 points. Anyone remember who actually beat them that year? I know he had magnificent hair. Mourinho, talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had magnificent hair that year. and He kind of... When you see it on Premier League years all the time, you think, yeah, you were a swat yeah. bastard back yeah, in the day. <laughs> I've got no clue. I've got no. Liverpool. Man, no, no idea. No idea. It was Man City. It was a pre-good Man City. Yeah. Nick and Elka scored after 11 minutes from the penalty spot. Relegated that season with Palace, Norwich and Southampton. So you might be seeing two of those three go again <laughs> this year. Uh, when this film was released, Wolves had finished their first season back in the Championship, having finished ninth in 2000... Oh, hang on. Yeah, in 2004-2005. We drew 21 games that season. Unbelievable. Glenn Hoddle obviously took over from Dave Jones in the December of 2004. 
Huddle's record that season. He played 24, won 8, drew 15 and lost only one. I was quite surprised that he actually only lost one that season. I just remember being utterly uninspired by Glenn Hoddle era Wolves. I think that first season, though, it, it was it was always the thing in the back of my mind about it, where you think, well, he's clearly taking his time, assessing the squad, making sure we don't go down again, and just see what he's got, and then carry on in the summer. And that never happened. No, it didn't, did it? It was but just at the, to- at the time. I mean, I was there at Gillingham under Dave Jones. Okay, it's gone off tangent straight away. Yeah, <laughs> and when Sean Newton was playing left back, and you think you think to yourself, we piss, it's pissing down here. We're in that uncovered end, which is still there, with the temporary mm-hmm. stand, which is still temporary. <laughs> and it was as bad as it possibly could have got at the time. Mm. <laughs> and I think that was one of the reasons why you're actually linking it to the film. I don't remember watching it because I was so thoroughly pissed off with football altogether. Yeah. I thought, watching a football film is not what I'm into at the minute. I remember my love of Wolves being quite badly damaged during the, the Huddle era, to be honest. It was just so so boring most of the time. Quite happy to just nick a drawer and Rowan Ricketts playing for us. Any memories, Matt, of uh, that period? That period of time, I was um, I was knee-deep in, uh, in <laughs> sixth form, I think it was. That's like... Putting a timestamp on there, so six form there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. I was almost. I didn't know how. Uh, how many six? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was a bit slightly before when I was really getting into it, uh, into into football and the walls, especially. It was before I used to work at Molyneux, which kind of kickstarted everything for me. Oh, okay. Um, but I remember seeing the adverts for the film itself and going with my little brother to the cinema, thinking it was going to be the greatest film of all time, just because it's like the trailer, like because I watched the trailer obviously in preparation for this, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, but the trailer really made it seem like a proper sexy film. Like going into it, it's going to be really like some of the names and some of the like stars that are in it. So I was really excited around this time to go see it. Well, I'm pretty sure like Beckham had quite a high billing on this film. F- uh, well, in terms of appearance or fee per second, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's done quite well for himself. So I think moving on to the categories, I think we're probably best to start with the film itself. So. It's the story of a young Mexican immigrant, Santiago Munez, or is it Munez? Munez. Munez. He was discovered by Prince Stanis Baratheon and brought to England (laughs) to have a trial with Newcastle United. That never clicked at all. That's who that was. That that was Stephen Delane. (laughs) Oh, no way. It's the accent, which I have got a little bit about accents. He he was Scottish Geordie kind of amalgamation. It was uh, something else, wasn't it? So, initial thoughts on the film then. Matt, do you want to kick us off? Like a very early review of the film. Um, you know what? I, going into knowing that we were covering this, I thought, oh, God, this is going to be a bit of a slog to watch this because it, I don't remember it being fantastic. Mm. But what, actually watching it back, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm not sure, how, though, if it falls into the category of shit but good <laughs> or good and good. Right. Um, in that. <clears throat> I have an opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I, you know, I actually really enjoyed it. And, you know, when you actually look at some of the, the, the plot the plot um, choices in there and some of the themes that they try and cover, it actually has a bit of substance to it. It's not, they're not, it's not reinventing the wheel by any stretch of the imagination, but it does cover some, like, interesting themes as well. And the football in it's good. The story's good. It's got some good names in it. And, you know, it's a good two-hour watch for me. It was a lot deeper than I remember it being. Mm. And again, like I said, I watched this not really wanting to watch it at the time and the same on Sunday. <laughs> um, 
And I remember thinking, oh, that was all right. That's fine. But it, it was one of them things when, when people started voting for it and saying, yeah, we, review goal, please. Yeah. I thought, oh, really? Come on. Yeah. Got, let's go to victory. We've got all sorts of classics coming up. And this was the one where I thought, oh, okay, fine. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's get it done with. And like Max said, it was actually, re- I really enjoyed myself. And I sat there for the whole two two and a bit hours or whatever, however long it was. Not once checking my phone, not once looking, thinking, oh, let's check Twitter now. I was actually fully engrossed in Goal the Journey Begins. And that subtitle has been added afterwards. It must L- Like been. a new hope. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's an Americanization of it, the, uh, the, the adding of that on. Because I think you know, it was released in the States the year after. I think it's 2006 when the States had it. So I believe that's when it was put in. Uh, but I, I think you both made a point that it doesn't reinvent the wheel. That's very much my issue Definitely with this doesn't. film. <laughs> was that it is the most run-of-the-mill sports film you've ever seen. I wrote down some of the cliches that you get from... Ooh, let's play cliche bingo, because I've got them down as well. Oh, okay. The big game. <laughs> uh, I've, gone, I've gone more like a theme thing, but yeah, that's definitely obviously there. Okay, yeah. The big game's one. The last-minute winner. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. training montage. You've mm-hmm. got to have a training montage in a sports film. The lovable underdog. The coach who's hard on the outside, but soft on the inside. <laughs> uh, and the comeback. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, I could have... We could have been talking about Rocky and I could have said the exact same thing yep. for that film. Yep. And Major League and every other sports film that's ever been made. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, there are definitely some... Through watching it, you can see some of the things that are about to happen an absolute country mile off. Yeah. Um, so, for example, um, he's... <laughs> His friend getting that injury when he's when they talked about Glenn um, doing his knee in the first place. Mm. So that's the reason why he's not a player anymore. And then he befriends the guy in the reserves, uh, Jamie, I think his name is. The scouse lad. Uh, yeah, and he's he has a, a knee ligament injury, and he's you can kind of see that coming. Then the whole um, taking pictures while he's like rolling around with the girls, and that's being sold to a paper. You can see that coming a mile yeah. off as well. The inhaler. Yeah, and yeah. you know, the, some of these plot devices are kind of, they are really, like, you you could have said, let's talk about a, let's talk about a young promising footballer from a foreign country. What hurdles are he, is he going to overcome yeah. like, to get there? It, there was all very much Chekhov's gun, weren't they? Mm-hmm. You introduce it for the payoff, and it was just so blatant all the time. I, mean, I couldn't remember his dad being such an utter bastard that he is. Oh, his dad's an absolute arsehole, isn't you know, he? Got... Stealing his money and then gets pissy with him because he, he's not happy. Unbelievable. Well, I love that first scene where obviously they're trying to get over the border um, and then the ball rolls down the hill. And he's like, you know, leave the ball. And he, uh, he really reminded me and I couldn't stop go saying machete in my head <laughs> because it just kept reminding me of like like all of a sudden um, like it was going to end up in some bloodbath and like limbs were going to go off everywhere and even even just doing that sets one of the like the themes through the film which, which is like the father versus the son which is like it tries to go with the whole way through um, but yeah it just shoe on some of these things in mm. like quite a lot really yeah he proper tries to tug at the heartstrings with that stuff a little course. too much it was a little bit mawkish what I found with it, it wasn't my cup, is it? Yeah, he does have to overcome like a lot of hurdles throughout that film, like mm. almost one too many. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, it, when, the fact that he went to, he did his work in the pool in his in his team shirt, didn't get dirty once, <laughs> played the whole game, 
still didn't, didn't get it dirty, and then went home, still without having a shower, and he, he still had it on, and it was immaculate. <laughs> thought, this is how good he really is, because he doesn't he doesn't even need to wash. There we go. He doesn't like get tackled. It. And then they, you get the ridiculous... He's doing about authenticity. There's no way anyone in a professional sport plays on a mud pitch like that <laughs> in the last 40 years. Yeah, that's true, actually. Come to yeah, think it, it wasn't, wasn't ideal. So tell me some of your favourite bits. For me, one of my favourite bits, and probably shouldn't have been, was when he met with Anna Friel's character, whose name I can't... Uh, Roz, Roz, sorry. Uh, and she takes his blood, and rather than put the, the cotton swab on his um, injection site... Or withdrawal site, sorry. She just jabs her fucking thumb in there. <laughs> it's like, that's really hygienic, that is, love. That really tickled me, and I don't know why, but any other myths, bits that you enjoyed? I did like the bit in, during that scene, actually, where he mentions um, that his blood ple- his blood pressure might rise because yeah. he was in front of her, and I was like, he's all of a sudden getting like kind of a, a very different mood. He's in the air now, all of a sudden. Um, yeah. And she turns around and says, it's normal. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> like proper put the cold flannel on him. I thought that was good, to be fair. Um, so yeah, because before... Sorry to interrupt. Before that, he was coming out with some quite rapey vibes towards those blonde women when he was still in the States. The ones who kept eyeing him up and giggling. Yeah. And he just... He looked like he was going to be a sex pest. And if that, I'm perfectly honest, I was a little bit worried where it was going. An immigrant pool cleaner in America... Yeah. ...who's eyeing up the, the daughters in the flash cars. It just... Machete again? Yeah, <laughs> is, yeah. You think it's a little bit exploitative in parts like that? I thought. So Jesse and Desperate Housewives never behaved like that, and he was a great pool cleaner. You're on your own there, mate. I've never. Oh, seen well, it. you're not on your own, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Desperate Housewives is legitimately a good series to watch. I never finished it, but it, I did enjoy what I watched. Yeah, it's a, it's one of the things where you, again should never admit to liking it, but it, it actually really is really fun. Okay. I'll take your word for it. One scene I, I really enjoyed. Oh, well, I say really enjoyed. It was it was more like just a line. Um, it was when um, Santiago was being introduced to the reserves team, mm. and the coach says to him, uh, "By the end of the session, I want everybody to uh, make it make yourselves known to Santiago." Yes. Now he's taking that as saying hello, but what he actually means is let him know you're there. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that was a nice touch that, like, from an outsider who potentially isn't into football that much, but he's watching it, I don't know, maybe with a partner or something like that. They wouldn't have got, but to the football fan, especially someone that likes a, likes a good tackle, you know, mm. it's just a little line that kind of changes the changes the yeah. scene for me a bit. I think all the um, all the little things like in in the now, things like like the little Alan Shearer's little wink, and, <laughs> and he's um, out doing him with the, uh, with mm. the, leg, the leg workout oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Just drop it down onto the uh, the much higher white level, <laughs> just to show him up. But things like that. We're talking about the, the authenticity a bit, but there. But the football parts, I actually really enjoyed much more than I thought I would mm. in this one. And there's bits that look like the um, when he says, "I'll get you a Gap advert." Mm. I thought, yeah. Is anyone yeah. going to know what Gap is? No. Is Gap a thing anymore? <laughs> Yeah, he, had that, he, had a, he had a flip phone as well. I thought this yeah. is very two thousand. It was very dated, wasn't it, by some of that stuff. So we've said some of the stuff we've enjoyed. What about stuff we didn't? Personally, I thought the acting was pretty appalling. <laughs> the, the accents were borderline impenetrable. <laughs> mm, there was a few suspect um, accents there. I couldn't quite place where the manager was meant to be he was, from. He was German. 
It was virgin on the Arsene Wenger for me though at yeah. times, and I was a yeah. bit like, "Is that the vibe that they're trying to get out of him?" Like, it is that the cliche? Bad European. Yeah, yeah, I just couldn't. Yeah, the accents there, and well, I check that. He's, the guy is actually Romanian. Oh, okay, <laughs> right. So he was a Romanian doing a German accent in an English American film. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I wouldn't know what a Romanian sounded like, but I haven't um, listened to many Hadji interviews or anything like that. So. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Um, I think one of the scenes for me that I not necessarily I didn't enjoy, but I didn't. I don't know how much I think it really added to the film, but they really shoehorned it in was when um, when his dad dies, um, and he's they're chasing the this the the young brother is um, with the rest of the gardeners, and and where where's my dad? I oh, was in charge of the sprinklers, and then there's the trail of water running <laughs> yeah. down like the longest trail of water from the mo- the world's most powerful sprinklers <laughs> are coming down the street, and then he's just lying on the floor. And I know it's like a plot device, another thing to like to gain sympathy for for Santiago. But it was like this was at the end of what was probably like the worst year of his life. Like so many things <laughs> yeah. were like going wrong yeah. for him, and it, that for me just felt a little bit. And I know they did the whole that sets up. Then though, is he going to fly back home? What's he going to do? That in that you know to set up conflicts in the film. But it just felt it was too shoehorned. It was, it was for too me. much. Just yeah, constantly shoehorning yeah. in little bits here and there. I thought, yeah, just Stu. Little things that shouldn't have annoyed me that did things like the um, why is there so many Geordies in America in that bar? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah this is in two thousand. This is not now when you get Premier League mornings with Rebecca Lowe, where yeah. there's yeah. shitloads of them over there. But not in two thousand and four. You didn't have Geordie bars, and to be fair, they did have Fox. Because I looked, I thought, is this completely messed up? And they've got Sky, but they hadn't. Mm. They had changed the logo on the screen to Fox, oh, okay. Fox Soccer Network. <laughs> Which it was then. But I thought, there's no way all these Geordies are going to be here. And for one, there's no way you can watch Sky Sports in a hospital as well, where she was watching the match at the end. <laughs> <laughs> maybe things. she was on Booper. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Just little things like that. And I thought, the guy from um, Alfreda's own pet. Mm. Yeah. I thought, uh, well, you, he's in any film where they need a Geordie. Yeah. He, oh, we'll get him. Even though he's not a Geordie, is he? No, no, he's not. But he's always in there. Yeah. yeah. But speaking of people who were in the film who seemed quite out of place, you had Stephen Graham and Francis Barber in there, both of which were just criminally underused. Yeah, I thought when you see um, Stephen, um, Stephen Graham especially um, used in that kind of drug dealer slash uh, flash player hanger on who just hangs around in terms of the clubs and with the girls and that, I thought could be doing something a little more here. But mm. I'm guessing this is... How early into his career, I guess? I don't know what he would have done prior, before or after this I to kind of pinpoint it in his career. But... I think he may have already done Snatch by this hmm. point. Oh, okay. Well, that's surprising. 2005. Let me have a quick look. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Snatch was... Snatch was 2000, yeah. so yeah. He definitely would have done so it. He's, he's, not, he's not a newbie to the scene or anything like that at this point. So, um, yeah, he could have done a lot more, couldn't yeah. he, I guess? And Sean Pertwee as well. I was going to come to Sean, Sean Pertwee, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's best known in his excellent work in Gotham now. But um, another but one you have to watch. No. <laughs> he always plays a Cockney wide boy. Even when he plays Alfred Pennyworth, he's the Cockney yeah, wide boy, yeah. Alfred Pennyworth. I thought he was good in it, though. He, he does come across as that um, as that annoying, uh, exploitative agent. I think he put, like does it really well. Um, and he does counter. play a decent shithead, for yeah, want to a better <laughs> worse, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's a good kind of foil for Glenn. Um, you know, he's would-be agent come the end of the film. Yeah. Ultimately, for me... I gave this a two. It's a five. <laughs> I, I think I, having seen your scores, I know I was much harsher on it. 
I don't think it was a very good film. It was just too cliche-ridden. Not really the the kind of thing I would go for. I'd want something a little bit more challenging. Yeah, I couldn't understand that. I couldn't understand that completely. The thing, the thing for me, when I think of what I want out of a football film, I don't necessarily want something that's going to make me question anything come the end of it. So, for example, um, The Green Book. I know it's a completely like, different mm. topic of film altogether. But like, when I watched The Green Book, at the end of that, I felt I didn't feel challenged enough by the themes yeah. in the film. I didn't feel like it pushed enough didn't push the envelope enough but I'd never think that about a football film I never want to come out of it thinking god I really need to start campaigning against something <laughs> um so it was cliche but all those cliches almost added to it because I knew it made it a bit shitter but gooder <laughs> does that make any <laughs> okay. sense at all yeah, it was <laughs> yeah the same thing for me that I, I you can't rank something like this against um Rise of Skywalker which is potentially going to be one of the best films ever made um because it's not it's it's Enjoyable nonsense, and yeah. you look at all the all these football, all these film castings that we're going to do, and none of them, I don't, apart from a couple, none of them are going to be fives at whatsoever. No, you're probably but right for it, for what it is for a paint the numbers sports film. It does what it does well, ish. I suppose it is effectively a genre film. It's a B yeah. movie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think I. I'd originally given it an out of a ten score, so it was like seven point five for me. So I put it to a four stars in my in yeah. my in my critical review, uh, in my Dave Meltzer <laughs> six six stars of the Tokyo Dome yeah. kind of thing. But um, no, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and I didn't you know take it too seriously. But there there are some element elements of it that are cringeworthy to kind of like the studious eye. If you were looking at it from a you know cinematography or like a film yeah. studies point of view, then I can see why it wouldn't have been the greatest. Mm piece of art <laughs> there is yeah yeah and goalkeepers don't dive like that ever <laughs> well when he was taking some of his like when he was like practicing on on the pitch or practicing in the training ground and he was striking it from like a, like a penalty spot kind of range it's like the most weirdest actions in the way he was kicking the ball i thought was just really strange yeah we'll we'll come on to that okay <laughs> <laughs> Stu, what was your score for the the film itself uh i think it was a four as well yeah i think, I think it, it was a four it was a i mean four. i just it was what I said earlier. I enjoyed it way more than I expected to, <laughs> and then it's one of those things where, again, you don't have to. It probably worked better if you didn't know anything about football and you watched it, probably, because there's probably. nothing in there really to say. Yeah, you need a bit of knowledge. Mm. Yeah, Newcastle bigish club, yeah, yeah. <laughs> made massive in this. Yeah, um, biggest team in Europe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Challenging That's Liverpool fair. for fourth, which again was probably <laughs> realistic for the time. Mm. Um, Again, we'll come on to that in a minute. <laughs> so I think it, it, it was. I enjoyed it for what it was. That's fair. That's fair. So yeah, I think the next one we should move on to, for me, is probably their, the strongest category, and it would be the footballing stars. Mm-hmm. So actually, the fact that they did have Zidane saying half a line and Raúl, well, you know, the original Raúl, not not Mister Jimenez, in there, Beckham, most of the Newcastle team. I thought that they had a very good selection of stars in there for, you know, a 2005 film. I gave it four out of five for that. I, I think you both of you, gents, did you both give it fives? I gave it five. I, I gave it. I, I can I, completely I, agree with that. It, it's. I gave it five for one reason and one reason only, and it has Sven Goran Eriksson womanising yeah, in the yeah. bar. Oh yes, Sven. I forgot about Sven <laughs> again. So, yeah, he's womanising in the bar, and um, a little ACDC cameo in the bar as well. Brian yes, Johnson, Brian Johnson. Is, in, is in the bar as, as a Newcastle fan as well. 
Um, just a real kind of like who's who around that time. The fact that they used a lot of actual uh, real life footage of games helps that obviously. It was very dream team, um, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. and dream team with a budget. Yeah. But the, you know the fact that they got um, Alan Shearer to to say a couple of you know a line or two, um, and they got the players involved there, gave it a feeling of authenticity about it and, and a bit of you know a bit of credence to it. So yeah, I thought it was a you know for at the time, and um, the fact they had Martin Tyler on commentary as well, yes, um, really made it because it made it feel real. Made it, it feel like this is actually going on. Yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and you get the FIFA effect as well. If you what if you give that to Americans now who listen to Martin Tyler on the, the feed. It, there's your authenticity as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I put it down as a three for. I'm changing that to a four because I've done it because the goalkeeper thing really, really pissed me off when I was, <laughs> when I was watching it. But actually, who were their football boys did their jobs really, really well again. And yeah, they didn't pull focus. No, they they were just a nice little addition to it. Yeah, and even when when they spliced match footage with close, it was like a soft focus effect, mm. so you couldn't really see the opposition faces, but it was put together. It, it worked really well. Um, yeah, there was like something like the training ground stuff. I just didn't like that at all because obviously that's that's just some kind of Ridiculous. some muddy manor house somewhere yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the middle of nowhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. That some of the things, I mean, seeing um, Kieran Dyer, <laughs> Kieran Dyer's non-smiling face yet again, and he wasn't injured, which exactly. just seems bizarre. <laughs> that's a point off straight away. Yeah, and miserable Lee Bowyer. <laughs> No, it was a good, uh, from a footballing star's point of view, I, I gave it a five and I thought that, um, you know, it really gave it the air that this is um, a legitimate footballing film that has some foot in reality because it has commentators, players, managers to give mm. it a little bit more legitimacy. And you had Oasis and Kasabian as well. Yeah, the soundtrack, the soundtrack. The soundtrack, I've got, actually I own the soundtrack even though I'd never seen the film before. Because I own every Oasis album, single, so I had to have the soundtrack because it's got a different, very a different cut of Cast No Shadow on there. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's yeah. the reason I bought it. But it's an absolutely banging yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, as this again, as a time capsule snapshot of the Titan, that's exactly what it was. The, yeah, the Soccer AM generation. Yeah, that kind of music. Last off on a Saturday night. Exactly, it was yeah. class. Um, but again, that whole added to the whole culture of the whole thing altogether. Mm. And it was, it was authentic as it possibly could have been, I think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, I think we should take a break there and then we'll come back, discuss the other categories and a few bits and bobs then, gents. And now, the business update. After a difficult year, experts are optimistic a recovery is imminent, with key indicators improving. And yet, men everywhere continue to dress as if they just rolled out of bed. The economy is ready to bounce back. Are you? At Charles Tirrett, we have the high-quality shirts and smart menswear to get you back to your best. Try our introductory offer with three shirts for only $99, delivered free. Use code POD99 at ctshirts.com or any Charles Tirrett store. Hey everyone, it's David here. Now, you already know by now if I'm on the show or I'm not on the show, and my voice is here, oh, you know, one of those silly ghost things. Anyway, I'm just here to say, um, we've got a lovely website, and our friends over at Pixel Yeti Media do that, and if you're looking for web design, or your business needs a new logo, or a bit of marketing, 
go take a look at pixelyetimedia.com. Uh, and also, they're not just web designers, they're also a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites to brochures and signage to marketing, logo design, and branding. So, take a moment after this podcast and go check them out at pixelyetimedia.com. Welcome back. Uh, last time we were here, we when we discussed Mike Bassett, I said how surprised I was with the football in authenticity. I thought it was going to be awful, and actually I thought it was really good in the end. On this one, I've gone completely the other way. I think that the actors who were supposed to be footballers look like they've never kicked a football before <laughs> in their lives. <laughs> it really pissed me off when he was whenever Santiago was playing that he would pick the ball up 80 yards from goal, dribble it around every single player, and then stick it in the back of the net. It was almost like the person who made this film, his only footballing knowledge is from YouTube clips. Mm, yeah. Or yeah. footy pups on CBeebies, where that's a, with, who's actually narrated by John Motton, of all people. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Where they're obviously puppies, and that's all that they do, dribble around everyone. <laughs> completely off tangent again, yeah. but it's it is exactly what you just said. It's football from someone who's never seen a game of football in his life. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the and that's one of the the, the 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 problems that the film has because it splices in so much actual real football. Mm. Um, then when you have the actors playing football, it looks so clunky. Yeah. And um, the guy that plays the 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 marquee signing Harris, I can't I can't remember his his, his real name. He there's one scene where I think he he does a he has a first touch and then passes it and it just looks diabolical like it I can't remember exactly um, in which game it was in I think it might have been when they're playing against Liverpool and it just looks awful mm-hmm. and then like I mentioned earlier when Santiago's um, not only at St James's Park but also when he's training on the pitch um, and he's what kind of in penalty eighteen yard kind of territory and he's striking the ball and he just looks so clunky and there's no power on his shot or anything it yeah. just looks no really power strange pace. it just sort of trickles over the goal <laughs> yeah, line exactly like you want it to, you want to see it like burst through the back of the net and it gently brushes against the net as it goes in yeah it just looks strange and he take the um, the winning free kick he takes with the wrong foot that he's used for the entire yeah. game yes <laughs> yeah. um, so that, I and think plus I'm sorry to interrupt that should never have been a free kick the Liverpool player won the ball cleanly that really bugged me VAR signing. VAR signing. Yeah, room. yeah, definitely. Yeah, football authenticity point of view. Like, listen, I've never been in a changing room in that scenario. I don't know. But when when, uh, when the manager walks in um, for the Liverpool game, I believe it is, and he just sits down and goes, you're expecting this big monologue, rousing speech. And he goes, you know what to do. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. This, this, is, like, this is like, lads, it's Spurs. Kind of one of, one of those kind of things. I, I have heard people say that before, though, in that kind of thing has happened mm. um, but I think the um, one of the when the, he braces inhaler and calls him a bum boy sign <laughs> 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 of the times yeah, yeah exactly very much so. um, the things like that we again like he, when he said about the inhaler thing you think well that's a bit wrong because Gary Mabbott famously had asthma and that was years before this so again he's showing a bit of Naivety, I suppose, that who, mm. an American director would never know who Gary Mabbott was. <laughs> but again, for someone, the only player who I can even think of with asthma, mm. still. Yeah, even though like his heyday was... 90, late 90s? Yeah, I'd say 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You know who game lover it is? Not one of my uh, heroes, mate. So uh, Spurs. Unfortunately. It's solid. So he was, he was like Razor Ruddock, but not as big. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, I get you. I think he was, was done. No, he wasn't done. It was fashion. He was done for elbowing him and nearly breaking his eye socket. Hmm. Yeah. He's a good, decent, solid early Premier League defender. Yeah. Well, riddled with asthma, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah, he had on the side of the pitch just in case. Oh, really? Yeah, he oh, was, okay, he, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a. It's in his, I'm sure he's got an autobiography. I'm, I'm sure I've, I've yes. had something about it. But yeah, it's really I remember um, Fantasy Football League taking the piss out of it way back when. Yeah. yeah. The but, thing is, though, speaking of that, though, and the, and the, the asthma side of things, again, it was a very, very um, lacklustre medical he went through, wasn't it? <laughs> Have you got any problems with your heart? No. <laughs> With your lungs, no. All right, then crack on. He's almost like, <laughs> like, like hands out, hold your balls, cough for me. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Assume the position, and we'll and we're away. Yeah, it was um, from an off. You know, I'm sure even when that film was released, the medicals were, I would dare say, a little more thorough than that. Well, apart from the Molyneux. <laughs> well, <laughs> but there was the other thing that annoyed me about the the um, again, it's one in the know things where they were playing home reserve games at Brentford and QPR. <laughs> yeah, Again, no, no, she's in Brentford. You thought, well, you, you just say it's somewhere else. Yeah, or just keep it as the same place. It's clearly two different grounds when you're supposed to be playing a home reserve game. Mm. And that's just annoying annoying me more than it should have done. <laughs> but it is those little details that I think spoils the football in authenticity. Yeah, this is why I gave it a one because I thought it was. A yeah, two, so. I think I probably have to revisit it as a two. Now. I think I put a three originally, but I think a two is probably where I'd where I'd lean to now. I think I was. Still in the hype and the and the, <laughs> the warm fuzzy feeling of the film when yeah. I gave the scores. So maybe like the splicey bits, yeah. it's fine because it's real football. Yeah, but I think the actual, the acting of football was just cack. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't fantastic, was it? <laughs> no, no. So I think we move on to the cultural impact of the film. I've gone for a two here. I don't really see this having much of an impact, particularly widely. It's not a film that's massively quotable. It's not mm. a film that's particularly original. For me, it's it's a film that has probably taken cultural uh, cultural significance from other movies than it will give to other movies. I don't think you'll see this referenced anywhere else. Quite the same way you might get a Rocky, which obviously has lived on. Yeah, that's a fair point. To, you know, and and coming into it, some of the cliched points that I said about the film, you're absolutely right. That could have been you could have been describing Rocky. And you wouldn't, if you hadn't mentioned any of the footballers or, mm. or like just the cliche, you are talking about Rocky, basically. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd rated it a little higher than that, only on, in you know, in the last few uh, versions of FIFA, for example, you've had the journey as a, as, a, as a career mode, where you're following the steps of a young footballer on his rise to fame. Right, okay. And, and I'm not for any, um, not saying at all that they've copied goal for the points that I've literally just made, but there are like real similarities there where That's they have the influence. The, yeah, and I, can, right. I, I feel there's an influence there. Okay. Off it. So you follow a, a chap called Alex Hunter for the for two of uh, I think it would have been FIFA eighteen and nineteen, and then he he signs at the end for for a, a big ish club, and then he moves on to a Real Madrid. I think it is in the next FIFA in the next right. issue of the game, and then in the third one he goes to the MLS. Um, and he signs for like LA Galaxy or something like that, and, and uh, you know there, it is quite similar to the goal right, to goal okay. in terms of that. So that's why, from a cultural impact point of view, I I gave it a li- I scored it a little higher, and I thought it did have its finger on the pulse 
of the time it was made pretty well mm. but I don't think it's legacy is, is that that's particularly no. impressive no I think that, that journey stuff as well you can actually buy all three um, thing parts of that without actually buying the FIFA games <laughs> just, you can just buy the well mm. I, I don't know you could last year I don't know if it's, they've changed it now it's, you can play as a woman as well his sister Oh, well. Yeah, yeah, right. you can. Megan Rapinoe situation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's gone. It's gone all um, futsal now in in this one. So it, it's Volta. Volta, Volta football. So <laughs> yeah, Max Kilman. Uh, I'm sure we'll make an appearance at some point uh, in that game. But yeah, from a cultural point of view, yeah. Again, nobody um, is going to collect an Oscar and go. You know what? I've got gold to thank for this. <laughs> but I, I, I think that it does have its influences in some mm. forms. Yeah, I mean. I, I upped this after the massive amount of people asking us to talk about it. Because yeah. I, I thought, well, no one cares about this. It's nonsense. It's rubbish. But then I thought, actually... Why th- would they be asking us to yeah, watch it? I'm 36 years old. For people who watched this when they were 13, 14, mm. it's probably one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah. You think, well, we, well, we were brought up on nothing like this, but proper things like Rocky. <laughs> like you said, and uh, Mighty Ducks. But for the for people younger than us, maybe this was their this Mighty has Ducks. That. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Maybe that's what it is because I, mean, I can't maybe believe we're just old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're old and different. sitting here in jumpers. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> and um, we are just not the target. Well, weren't the target audience when it came out, and definitely not now. Yeah. I think just just for the sheer amount of people that talked about it and. That you, if you look it up and you think goal, everyone mentions Munez, Munez, mm. and I know yeah. that I do remember Newcastle fans with like, his name on the back in a kind of semi-ironic way at the time. Wow, <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> taking that into the club shop? Just putting, put Munez on that one for me, please. I'm sure. Have a quick look. I'm sure you'll be able to find it on eBay. Newcastle yeah, you probably can do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, listen. When people listen to this podcast, those sky, those shirts are going to skyrocket in price. Yeah. So if you've got one, get it on sale now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I think we should move on. Any other business? I've got a couple of little things that I wanted to mention. Um, get off your chest, I feel. Apparently Michael <laughs> Winterbottom was originally shed, um, uh, roped in to direct this film. I'd love to have seen a Michael Winterbottom version of this. Hmm. Explain for other people. Oh, Michael Winterbottom, he did A Cock and Ball Story with um, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. He also did The Trip. Have you ever seen The Trip? I'm not seen The Trip, no. He's got this... He's just got a very unique style in the way he directs. It's sort of semi-realistic. Um, and it was going to originally be a documentary-style film. Okay. Well, that would have been yeah. interesting. And Stella Skarsgård was um, scheduled to, to start, I assume, as Stannis Baratheon's character. Stannis Baratheon. I couldn't even click that until you've said I'm it as well. stunned you didn't realise that yeah. it was Stannis. The thing is, he's got the I sa- like Stephen Delane, though. I think he's, he's got fantastic. the same hair. Yeah. <laughs> but he hasn't changed, like, at all. 25 years, 20 years later, he's still got the same hair. He's great. If you've ever seen, I think it's The Tunnel. It's a Sky One. Is that the one where there's a, a, murder, a murder in the, it's a in the Channel Bridge. Tunnel? Yeah. Oh, am I thinking of a different thing then? No, it's, it's, it's in The, the Tunnel. It's in a the remake It's a remake of it. It's a Scandi uh, yeah, Noir, yeah. Um, but it's not The Bridge. It's it's the European, the English. Oh, it's re- The Bridge, sorry, yes, yeah, you are right. No, The Tunnel, The, the Tunnel is a thing as well, and that was the sequel, I'm sure it was. There was, was a murder in the, the cha- there was a murder in the Channel Tunnel, and it was like across the border, like yeah. the body yeah, was yeah. across the it's border the same, or something. It's, it's probably a remake of the, the uh, Scandinavian one then. Yeah. That's probably it's, what it is. It's really good if you get a chance to watch it, I'd recommend well, just it. Just going back to the, the documentary style, mm. um, I wonder how that would have gone, because would you have got 
these stars wanting to have participated in something like that that people might construe as being real i don't know you know with with, with, with people that are watching it, it's just a throwaway film that aren't really yeah. interested you know <clears throat> would they have um would they have clicked with that kind of film like a not mockumentary like a spinal tap or anything but it would have been interesting but effectively that's what yeah, it would have yeah, been yeah. it would have been a fictionalized documentary I, mean, you look, I just think it would have been an interesting viewing. Look at the amount of people they got in Brass Eye. Mm. Yeah. True. Yeah. They've got, they got Gary Lineker talking about <laughs> certain things in Brass Eye. And <laughs> <laughs> that was around about that time as well. So it was all like the um, look around you kind of thing on BBC One as well, BBC Two thing. And that kind of thing was massive at the time as well. So it, it might have worked, but I don't know why it never happened. Actually, it would have been interesting. But I think the producers weren't happy with... Michael Winterbottom's ideas, mm. so they basically got rid of him. <clears throat> but it's a shame. It, it sounds like it probably might have been a little, and I, and I say this now as someone actually enjoyed the film, a little too intelligent for what they wanted to make. Possibly, um, they wanted a popcorn film, yeah, and this yeah. might have been a little bit more yeah. art housey. Uh, the other, a couple of the things I wanted to mention, based on the strip, this was set during the two thousand and three two thousand and four season. Newcastle finished fifth that year, losing out on the top four to Liverpool. Mm. So I thought that, that's quite apropos the way it actually finished in, uh, yeah, how it all in the film. Up. Yeah, so that was quite good. And the other thing, ten million budget, estimated ten million budget. It made twenty-seven million, <laughs> which I'm quite surprised it's made that much. I know basically in order for them to have made any money back, they have to double whatever. So they would have needed to have done twenty million dollars before they made any money. So the fact that it made roughly seven million in profit, I don't think that's enough to then bother doing the sequels, especially if and when we get to them, the money they made back is absolutely appalling. <laughs> Unless they were already green before that, possibly. But it's still, I don't know. I, 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 with me a little bit. <clears throat> at this point, I've never seen the sequels either of them. No, no I haven't. They're, well, no. they're not can remember anyway. No. But I, you know what we should do actually. We should say now what we think the cliche things that happen in them are and then watch them <laughs> and tick them off. So he's going to have a cob on with his agent because someone else will offer him a better deal. That'll happen. There'll be an international model that fancies him. So Anna Friel's character will, yeah, she you know, she'll, she'll go with him as well. And I'm trying to think what else would happen. Like, some, he'll have a, oh, I don't know, there's got to be other things that you could. It that, will be. The too much too soon. Rocky thing. three, basically. Rocky he's gonna, three. he's gonna, yeah. Who's his club of Lang? That's the question. He'll, but, he'll be um, homesick. Want to go back on Lowen or something? Like yeah, that. yeah, <laughs> exactly. All those things are gonna happen for sure. Yeah. So I think we can move on from there. Unless there's anything else, gents. No, I, I just um, it was a, a more pleasant film than I expected. So I was happy. Um, happy in the end, you know. And anything that stops me playing FIFA for <laughs> two or three hours, That's you know, is, is, is good enough for That's me. Fair. <laughs> so, because it's Christmas time, we've given Dan Christmas off from his quiz. I've done a little quiz. Okay. And I'm going to apologise to anyone from the North East from now on. Because there might be an accent. <laughs> and I'll okay. be honest, he does wonder occasionally to sort of Jamaican, sh- sort of Welsh and points. Interesting. Right, I've done a few Geordie phrases, gentlemen. And I want you to tell me what these phrases mean. You don't need to write them down. What's going to happen is I will say the phrase, I want you to shout out your name, whoever says first, you get to answer the question. Okay. We all, all okay on that? Yep, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to mind you on a university challenge. Right. Matt okay. Ashmer Park. <laughs> <laughs> right, so there's ten phrases. The first one is purely belter. Why, I man? Um, purely belter. 
Um, Say your name. Stu from the Top Shops. <laughs> Julie Belter, what does it mean? <clears throat> Extremely hot woman. Matt, Matt Steele. Uh, this means something that's great. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Very good, basically. Right, the second one. I'm Ganyam. I'm Ganyam. I'm going home. Oh, two nil, Matt. Wait, that, that doesn't even say anything like I'm going home. I'm Ganyam. Ham. Ham. I'm Ham. Yeah, it, it's... <laughs> this is too much biker grow, this is. Yeah. Fuck, this is a difficult... Right, okay. Ooh, he was proper... No, he was Gan proper Raj. He was Gan proper Raj. No, oh, proper Raj is good, eh? Because of, of, of name, Stew Top Shops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, actually, because Raj is something different. Called he was Gan proper proper Raj. I'm, no, I'm going to pass that pass. because that doesn't. Matt uh, angry. He's going. He's, he was going mad. Yeah, Raji means mad, yeah, angry. Yeah. Okay. I'll read never bugger. <laughs> I'll eat Nebby Bugger. Stu Top Shops. Hello, my little mate. <laughs> no. Nebby Bugger. Well, it's not a it's not a gay slur, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'll have to pass means, on this one. It means a nosy person. Oh, no, nah, I never would have got so that. So someone's sticking their oar in. You know, all right, your nosy sod. Oh, okay. Thing, I think, yeah. Right. <laughs> He's canny as oot. He's geet canny as oot. Matt, is someone coming out to play? No. No, he's canny. Stu Top Shop. He's canny. He's clever as anything. Just really nice person. Oh. Yeah. Hadoe and shite. Say again? Hadoe and shite. Hanaway? Hadoe. No idea. Stu, anything? <laughs> it's again, it, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It just basically means, I don't believe that. So no, someone right. says yeah, something. Yeah. Oh, how do we inshite that? Oh, yeah, okay, right. I get you. I get you. Right, you should get this one. I'm going down the tune. <laughs> Matt, I'm I'm up to the Newcastle. I'm going to watch the game. Yeah, I'm going to see yeah, yeah. I'm proper paggered. <laughs> <laughs> Pissed, maybe? Man. Tired? Tired, yeah. That's a Geetwalla book. <laughs> oh, my God. Geetwalla. That's that's the, the main bit of it. Geetwalla. 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 Rickwalla. <laughs> something, something to do with hair? I don't know. No. No. <laughs> Shoe. Skint? I have no idea. It means that's a very large book. Oh wow! Geetwalla <laughs> means something big. All oh, right, yeah, okay. Geetwalla book. Uh, the last one, monkey's blood. I really like this. I'm gonna read it. Is that is it ale? Ale? No. Monkey's blood. This is gonna. What does it look like? Yeah, red wine. No, <laughs> it's close. It's ice cream sauce. Ice cream <laughs> monkey's blood. Yeah. So when they get like no a ninety nine, they last for monkey's blood. As if. I quite like that one. That's brilliant. None of this was in goal. No, it wasn't. It was not. So I've had a quick look at some of the critical responses. <clears throat> Trevor Johnson from... Sorry, Trevor Johnston, sorry, from Time Out. Combination of button-pushing uplift, sundry-sweeping helicopter shots and bombastic score that sound like it came off a free transfer from a Tony Scott movie. 
proves as resistibly synthetic as its CGI-enhanced heroics on the pitch. Tony Scott did um, Man on Fire, mm-hmm. and he does Great those film. sort of proper B-movie style big and loud and I thought that that was quite I know it was great yeah, it's a decent film um, he also did Top Gun and I think he's doing the sequel as well mm. Mm. oh can't wait for that yeah Claudia Puig from USA Today predictable Gold the Dream Begins may not be the stuff of everyone's reveries but the film is capably acted and somewhat inspiring so she was actually quite positive yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah that that's was... probably fair, completely fair yeah Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian this is my favourite one the word own is missing from the title. <laughs> yep, yep, definitely. Fan reviews, we've got uh, Fonz 1947. Made my wife very happy person at a great price. I, d- <laughs> I just thought you don't even mention the film once in that review, so are you sure you're talking about the movie? Got Skylark, also from Amazon. I watched this again recently, and it's the most uplifting feel-good film it should be compulsory viewing for every single player at Newcastle United <laughs> wow. after a truly horrible season. Steve McLaren, make them watch and learn some valuable lessons about humility, counting their blessings, cultivating a real desire to win, honouring the fans, oh, and playing for their best ability. Each and every time they put on the Newcastle United football shirt. Not too much to ask, I hope. That's, quite That's obviously a... a very bitter Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I quite enjoyed that review. And there was another one from Paul H. And the the actual review itself is a bit odd, but it starts with, I went to see this film with my friends, Niall Sullivan of Market Harbour and Jack Thurston. (laughs) (laughs) Why have you given their names? (laughs) And what a film it was. As soon as we got to the cinema, my adrenaline was rushing with excitement. The best part was when he scored the winning free kick, obviously, uh, with his left foot when he had been right-footed throughout the film. <laughs> also, some stunning performances from Beckham and Raoul. Six kisses he's put on the end. I don't know wow. if that's supposed to be six stars, but I don't know why. I just thought it was a bit of an odd one. So on IMDb, it got a 6.7. Uh, the Metacritic gave it a 53. <clears throat> Rotten Tomatoes got a 42% from the critics, but 77 fan response, which I think is sort of where you pair definitely going yeah i know i was a lot more harsher on this yeah uh honestly i just assume that it's every geordie giving it a 10 if i'm perfectly <laughs> honest and that's why it's that high maybe so <clears throat> to round it off what are your scores eight to five do you recommend other people to watch this film if they haven't already matt um out of five i i upon discussing it I would slightly lower my score to maybe a 3.5 out of 5. Mm. Um, I would recommend it to people, and I'd recommend it on the basis that it's a two-hour um, switch-off. You know, you don't need a degree in sports science or anything to yeah. enjoy the film for what it is. And it has a lot of real-life elements that I think makes it a lot more accessible to people than if it was purely uh, a film just about a rising star and they didn't get you know some real life names in it um it doesn't do a lot in terms of going away and thinking wow the thing about the themes of the film or anything like that but you know it was an entertaining watch and i, and I enjoyed it for what it was and you know i'd, I'd recommend it to to somebody i think so yeah it's fair it's Jim. yeah I'm, I'm gonna stay with four um it's there gonna be no, no pulp fiction or no broke that mountain or any <laughs> any cultural darling but no, absolutely not. For the fun, <laughs> for the fun factor and everything all considered, being a, f- 
a fun football film that only takes up two hours of your, your life, especially around Christmas time. Um, but yeah, four, four, four out of five stars. It's more than enjoyable. It's the tiny irritations of probably me being overly geeky about these things, <laughs> but I think unlike the last one, you don't really need to know football to watch this. I think that's that's yeah. got it. In its favour. Yeah, I think Mike Bassett definitely has more jokes for the initiated. Whereas this one is very much a pick-up-and-play type of a movie. Yeah, for sure. I've given it a two. <laughs> and I, I did originally say no, but actually having sat here talking to you gents about it, I realise that I'm very much on the so-bad-it's-good sort of mm-hmm. scale with this one. You're right, it's only a couple of hours. There's worse trash out there that you can sit through. Yeah, I think I would recommend you to watch it, but just don't expect to be massively moved by it. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Yeah, What's that as an average for like a three on average? Is that <clears throat> yeah, roughly. Table? So overall, our scores have given it a combined 66%. Okay. Which puts it just behind Mike Bassett, which got a 67%. And I think that's probably fair, though. I, mean, I, I think it very much deserves to be the runner-up in, in the, the two-horse race as it is yeah. at the minute. It's, it's definitely the weaker of the, the pair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say so. I, I'd, I'd say that Mike Bassett is a funnier film than Goal is a whatever <coughs> it is trying to be. <laughs> yeah, whatever um, that is. Yeah. You know, a better version of whatever it's trying to be. So, yeah, I'd say that's fair. So that's fair. Yeah, for people listening to this, listening to a football podcast talking about films, Mike Bassett's much better Yeah, for that audience. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, going back to it, um, I know we spoke about it last time, but it's 90 Minutes. I remember thinking this is going to be a long 90 minutes, but it absolutely wasn't. And I suppose, to be fair, when I saw that this, the runtime of this was 1 hour 58, I mm-hmm. thought, fucking it's Friday night, I'm sat here <laughs> watching this, this is going to be awful. And actually, you know, it passed fairly quickly, and it was fairly, you know, it wasn't particularly remarkable, but it wasn't a painful viewing at all. <laughs> and that's all you can ask. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So it wasn't nominated for any Oscars. I think we uh, <laughs> must be surprised at that. It did win an Imagine Award for the Best Actor for um, Santi. Well, he's like a bit of a like a Mexican darling, though. I think he appears in like so. um, soaps and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm not surprised by that. To be fair, mm. he's like an acting role, him it is. Basically, <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah. Yeah. At the Oscars that year, the big winner was Crash, oh, which is an absolutely awful film. I, I genuinely don't know how that won. Obviously, the other big winner was the Anglais won for Best Director for Brokeback Mountain, which is ten times Crash. I, just, I hate that film. Philip Seymour Hoffman won Best Actor for Capote, <clears throat> and Reese Witherspoon won for, uh, as June Carter for Walk the Line, which is a oh, yeah, that's brilliant very, very film. good. To be fair, I think, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman was good in Capote, but I think Wacky and Phoenix could quite easily have won. Playing as Johnny Cash. Mm. If you have you seen that one? Uh, I've seen. I've seen it once many years ago, like mm. about probably around the time it was released. I haven't yeah. seen it since. It's good. I think um, it then we ended up with other films like Ray coming out mm, and all these yeah, others, yeah. which sort of followed in its footsteps. And that's another decent film if you've seen it. I think he won the Oscar for Ray, didn't he? Um, Jamie Fox. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. He was nominated at least. Yeah, yeah. Good film. Yeah, well worth a watch. Um, <clears throat> so I think. That's the end of our, our chat for the, the film. I think we now do this thing where we'll recommend stuff mm-hmm. as, way of, as our parting gift to the, the listeners. <laughs> because obviously it's the time of year where you might have a bit more free time on your hands. I think we can recommend a series or a trilogy or you know 
maybe a couple of films rather than just a one-off. So, Stu, do you want to give us uh, the look on your face? <laughs> I am dreading what you're about to say. Do you want to give us a series of films? Well, let's put it this way. They're all in that cupboard there. Oh, God. Right, okay. And you know exactly what I'm going yeah, to say, don't you? Yeah. Certain Hasbro-based franchise. <laughs> <laughs> You wanted to turn turn your brain off, watch some explosions and some toys fight each other. Watch Transformers, <coughs> all of them, in order, properly. It's it's stupid, pointless fun, but it's fun all the same. I find them quite a painful <laughs> viewing. They're too long. The Actually, one of them was like three and a half hours. Yeah, that was the uh, the last night. Is that the last one? I can't. Before I can't Bumblebee. Remember. With Bumble- Actually, Bumblebee's to be fair, brilliant. Bumblebee is a very good film on its own. Yeah. But the um, the silly ones... Yeah, you embrace the embrace the stupidity with them. <laughs> Matt, what are you going to recommend? Please um, be better than Transformers. <laughs> well, uh, funny story about Transformers. So, first time I had my um, surround sound system, I was recommended <clears throat> to watch one of the Transformers films as a means of testing out the equipment. Okay. Um, the only film that I could find when I was there to watch, also on Blu-ray, was my Blu-ray initiation, was uh, Alpha Popper, the Alan Partridge film. (laughs) So that's what got my surround sound system blaring for that day, not Transformers, sadly. Um, From a film recommendation point of view, I've gone for two trilogies I went for. Uh, First was the Cornetto trilogy, um, which I really, really enjoy. Um, And I didn't know until doing a bit of research on it that the three three films represent three colours, of yeah. Cornettos and I didn't know that so uh, you've got the blood and gore is the red Cornetto the hot fuzz the thin blue line is the blue classic Cornetto and then uh, World's End being the um, the green Cornetto for aliens being mint choc chip and I thought that was amazing like I didn't it, know that I think the amazing thing is the fans have made that up yeah it's just, and that's not actually Edgar Wright no, who's it's decided just, it's it. just a cool thing that I think yeah, that, like, that like, it stands for um, and I know I know that there were films released after this um, but the Alien trilogy, the as in Alien One, Two, and Three. Yeah, I really, really enjoy. I mean, I know Three is isn't fantastic, but it's it's a bit of a switcher off. Like you watch it just to enjoy it. But you know, the Alien, the first Alien, uh, Ridley Scott's Alien, being like uh, the horror film that it is, and then the action centric Aliens, I think is fantastic as well. And I just really enjoy all three of them as as a uh, oh, you know Resurre- yes. Resurrections, Brethren Three. Ooh. Ooh. Honestly, I, I really don't like three at all. Really? I don't say it's fantastic, but God, it's better than Resurrection. I really don't like I don't know. I, it, it, this is another one that I haven't seen them in a long time. Yeah. And I, if I watch them again, I'll probably come to my senses. But <laughs> I really don't. I, I I've watched it three or four times, and I've just never liked three at all. I don't know why. It's, I mean, yeah, it's a I, bit of a struggle. Alien Dog thing. Um, <laughs> you know, he's a bit strange and, and, and not fantastic. But yeah, I, I prefer it to, to Resurrection. But. Then again, I really enjoyed the, the the more recent, you know, iterations of the Alien films. To be I've fair, I've not watched them. Um, I've just not no, been I able they to were stomach it. No. Out of a not wanting to taint something that you love, kind of thing, or a little bit, and plus they just look a bit boring. You need to they look watch a bit it. insipid. You know, there's not much. I think watching them now, watching them back to back now, rather mm. than when you just when you just had Prometheus on its own. When you watch them, if you watch them all back to back in the space of a few weeks. It'd probably be a lot, be a be- lot better experience than waiting two yeah. or three years in between mm. than we had to win. That, that was the plan because I've seen one, two, three, one of the Alien versus Predator, possibly <laughs> Requiem. I can't remember. I've seen bits. I haven't seen the whole thing. So the plan was at some point to just do everything Blast in one. Them all out. 
because I know with the Covenant and that there was supposed to be three in that series. Are they still doing three, or are they leaving it with what they've done with the two? There, there really should be one more. Yeah, to right. tell you much they've to... left. They've left it to have one anyway. Yeah, okay. so there's what you don't have to have another one, but to tie it completely to the first one, they may do. Yeah, unless you can the the, the game in isolation. Yeah, switch PS4, which looks absolutely terrifying. Yeah, there's no way I'll be able to play that game. <laughs> I brick it every time. I mean, talking about Serenso though, an actual non-silly trilogy. The um, the first time I had my Dolby Pro Logic surround sound system <laughs> went in the when was that two thousand maybe, and again VHS, The Matrix. Oh yeah, the first the, the first one was the first one we had the, we had the whole Dolby wires everywhere. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what are you doing? So it's it's part of the system. It's got to be done. And that was the first one I watched. And again, just looking at it there, looking. I mean, that trilogy is actually really good. As you know, a, as I've, I've never seen this, the sequels. <clears throat> as a trilogy, watching them back again, watching them back to back. And I think I'd have to because, yeah. you know, like, exactly two, and, for two po- and three were absolutely dire. For, for the point you made, though, if you're watching it and you're still in the mode of enjoying that universe, it yeah. probably brings two and three up a bit. Yeah, it does. Um, but watching it years apart from each other, you've got the expectation of the first one, which is fantastic. But they're on about reprising. Yeah, they're yeah. making a fourth one, aren't they? Yeah, no? yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's coming out the same day as Bill and Teddy. Yeah, can't wait for Bill and Teddy. Oh, I know. That's going to be... so good. I was about to say, that's going to be excellent, but I didn't want to yeah. chew on that. Yeah. that. <laughs> you kill, I know too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My uh, recommendations, you've actually stole one, Matt. I'm apologies. Cornetto Trilogy. Last On the last podcast, I'd said how much I love Shaun of the Dead. It's probably my favourite film. It's definitely in the top three. So I don't think I'll rest until everyone has actually watched it. <laughs> Plus, I, I've got to say, I think that Hot Fuzz... Great movie, proper. It's exactly what you want in an action film because it's got that that adrenaline rush, but actually you've also got the dumb shit that goes with yeah. it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's great, and plus Paddy Considine's in that one, and Paddy Considine's also in the third one. I'm a big Paddy fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rosamund Pike. I was talking to Adam Price of this parish <sighs> the other day, and we were both admiring uh, Miss Pike. And yeah, it's just a great trilogy. There's something in every film that will pull you through. Wonderful. Is the, she in Quantum of Solace? Is that the Bond film she's in? I don't watch exactly. Bond. She's actually decent in that one. Oh right, okay. I don't, I don't, I, no, I, I'm to, not she a was the highlight fan. of one of the one of the the worst ones. I was forced to watch uh, Skyfall. Skyfall's all right. Yeah, Skyfall. it's one of the better oh. ones. Is that the one where spoiler alert? M dies. Is that yeah? The one? That's where um, it's set, and that's the, the final scenes in that Scotty, his yeah. Scottish home. Wasn't a fan. No, it's just not my thing. It's, for me, it's a poor man's um, Jason Bourne. Hmm. I'd much rather watch the Bourne films. Oh, Die Another Day. That, the one, right. yeah, the one with Madonna in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's going to be awful if Madonna's in it. That's, that's just the way it is. The other uh, series I was going to recommend, <clears throat> and I've sort of taken a bit of a leaf out of your book with dumb action over the top, the Fast and Furious yes. ones. <laughs> but only from the fifth film onwards. You don't need to watch the first four. They're not particularly good. Paul Walker is one of the worst actors who ever <laughs> lived. They're awful movies. You get everything you need from when The Rock joins. Well, at that point, they're a complete different franchise. I've never seen any of them. And what I understand is some of them are about cars, some of them are about cars exploding. That's how I kind of understand well, yeah. it. You look at the first one, they're selling um, DVD players at the back of a van. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then in the last yeah. one, they're saving oh, the world. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. And they go from, yeah, selling knocked-off DVDs <laughs> to jumping out of an airplane in a car. 
But you know what, though? Yeah. The way you describe it, I'll give it a go because I, res- I respect your opinion on it. So tell me what number to start from. From the Just fifth one. From the fifth one, and I'll give it a go. To I be mean, fair, you could, you could... None of... Apart, well, I'll say none of them. <clears throat> Tokyo Drift's a bit of a slog and doesn't really matter, but there's, yeah. a, there's an actual... It's... <laughs> It it's does the, tie back in later. It, yeah, it does tie but in. But only in a very small way. Yeah. It doesn't really If you matter. want to go down the whole universe, then and you've got the time, watch them all. Because they do get... You see the, the evolution of the characters, even though it doesn't really make any sense. You say evolution, <laughs> Dom still talks about family. Yeah. Exactly. And he always does that. He's a bit of family. You know? <laughs> he just mumbles all the time. <laughs> uh, oh, and then you've got Hobbs God. and Shaw as well, which is just... Great. It's just even... Bonkers. It's just Mental. pure insane. It's It's a... It's like an acid trip without any kind of drugs involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was my recommendations anyway. So I think we're at the end, so just want to remind everyone, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Search for Wolves Fancast, obviously, we're all on there. You can also email us, and I think this is the right email address, at podcast at wolvesfancast.com with any stories you've got, any recommendations on what you'd like us to review in the future. So from that point, that's goodbye from Stu. Goodbye. That's goodbye from Matt. I'll try to remember what going home was in Geordie, but I can't remember. So I'm going yam. I'm going yam. And that's goodbye from me. See you all soon.